Would you turn with me this morning to John 14 and verse 21. John 14, 21. Jesus said, he that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved of my father and I will love him And will manifest myself to him. I'm going to back up to the 15th chapter and read this in the Amplified. He said, if you really love me, you will keep and obey my commands. You know, this is one of the biggest issues in the church. Why not enough people are doing Things, not enough people give, not enough people work in the churches, not enough people uh, join up and hook up to do the things of God. It's simply because of not loving God enough. People don't like to hear that. They don't like for it to be that black and white, but it is. Because if you love God, you're going to be there for Him. Right? And if you're not there for Him, then you love something more than you love Him. You love yourself, you love your hobbies, you love your business, you love your family. I understand it's not okay to love your family more than you love God. That was a little weak. Did you hear me now? Well, my kids are everything. They're not supposed to be everything. Well, my husband and my family is first. They're not supposed to be first. God's supposed to be first. Did you hear me? And here's something dangerous. Now, anything or anybody that takes place in your heart and life that only God should have, you're in danger of losing. Now, that's a whole other message, but I'm telling you, it's serious business. God's got to be number one. Number one, and nobody else and nothing else is even a close second. Right? He's your Lord. You love Him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Right? He's number one. First. And if you love Him, then you're going to do what He says. You're going to do what He says in His Word. You're going to do what He says to you by His Spirit. That's going to come before your job, before your hobbies, before your recreation, before your family, before your kids. Did you hear me? You're going to do what he says first. Now the reason I say that is because we get excited about the Lord manifesting himself to us. But this comes first. Who does he manifest himself to? Hmm? Those who really love him. Right? Not just everybody. Those who really. How can we tell who they are who really love him? The ones who keep his commandments. Those who do what he says. Let me keep reading. In verse uh, 21 of the Amplified, he said, The person who has my commands and keeps them is the one who really loves me, and whoever really loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and will show, reveal, manifest myself to him. I'll let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. Is there anything we desire more than God being more real to us, than us seeing Him? I mean, what stronger desire is there in the true child of God than to see God, to know God, to experience God? There should be nothing in your life that's stronger than that desire. I mean, uh, we ought to be excited about finishing this life. Because what happens then? We get to see Him. Right? Face to face. Now, no man living has seen his face. But soon and very soon, that won't be a problem. Right? Because his bodies will be changed and no longer mortal, and we can handle it. God is glorious. Oh, he's so wonderful. We haven't seen a fraction of his glory. The half has not yet been told us. But if we're to experience more of him down here while we walk by faith, it'll be in proportion to how much we love him and how much we obey him. That's what he said. If you love me, you'll obey me. 
And if you do, I will manifest myself to you. Do we have something to stand on in faith? Can we believe God to manifest himself to us? We can. If we obey him. We can. So we've been talking at some length in ministry about the glory of God being manifest and being revealed to us. And these prophecies, let me remind you of them, not to turn to them. But in Numbers 14.21, the Lord said, As truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Psalm 72.19 He said, Blessed be his glorious name forever, and let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Say that out loud. Let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Habakkuk 2.14. Habakkuk 2.14 says, For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. As the waters cover the sea. How many know there's a lot of water out there in the Pacific? There's a lot of water in the Atlantic, etc. How many believe this has to come to pass? The Lord said so. So the knowledge of the glory of God is going to fill up the earth and cover the whole earth like the oceans cover the surface of the globe. It's got to happen in its fullness. Got to, the Lord said it. It's got to happen. Got to happen. In uh, Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40 and verse 5. It says, And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. How many believe God is still a God of signs and wonders? See, some manifestations of the Spirit are for believers. Others are for unbelievers. You know, 1 Corinthians talks about this. In the 14th chapter, he talks about tongues without interpretation that are understood by the hearer without an interpretation. Like what happened in Acts Two on the day of Pentecost, they all heard them speak in their own tongues, and yet they were speaking in another tongue. That's a sign to the unbeliever. But then he said prophecy is for the believer. And so there are things that will happen in our midst that's for us. Unbelievers coming in might not be that impressed with it. But God's got things that are specifically designed for the unbeliever. Right? That'll shake people. I said shake folks. I mean otherwise they would never consider God or never consider going to church or never. But God's got signs that make you wonder. And people are scratching their head going, how can that be? If that's so, then everything I believed about this can't be true. And their life is jarred because they're not on a solid foundation. How many believe God has signs for today, for our generation, for the unbelievers? Absolutely. He said it here, the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And what? All flesh, well that's all flesh, shall see it together. It's got to come to pass for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Now, we are at a point, I believe, to where we should be making serious preparation for these things. Faith gets ready. Faith prepares. Remember Noah, right? I know Phyllis and I had been believing for a citation airplane for several years. We'd sown seed to other people in their uh, aircraft departments and been standing and believing and standing and believing. And I guess, what was it, about a year or so ago, one evening at home, we got to talking about it again. And I'm looking at them and talking about them. And uh, the Lord dealt with me and Phyllis at the same time. That you've confessed, you've sown, 
You've believed long enough. It's time to take steps toward it. Did you hear that now? It's time to take steps toward it. You know, living faith acts. The Bible said faith without works is dead. I've had people come to me before and say, I'm thinking of a a young lady one time. This has happened with young men and young ladies. Uh, Just crying. Brother Keith, you know, I'm single and I don't want to be single. And I've been standing and believing for my perfect spouse for five years. And there's no prospects on the horizon and and just sad. And, uh, you know, sometimes you need to speak very softly and sometimes you need to jar people a little bit. This lady needed to be jarred a little bit. She thinks she's waiting on God. And her, even though she's not saying it, her tone and her implication is, why won't God give me a husband? Why won't God bring me? Anytime you start whining about anything like that, any, not just a spouse, anything, you're, why won't God give me a new car? He gave those other people a new car and I've been serving God twice as long. And they, well, that alone would be why. Cause you're a big old whiny baby. And you're not in faith. Right? That's not faith. Whining is not faith. Faith doesn't whine. Everybody say it out loud. Faith doesn't whine. Say it again. Faith doesn't whine. Doesn't whine. I said, uh, if you walked away from me and went around the corner right there and you met... Mr. Perfect, right now, are you ready? And let's say y'all had a whirlwind, you know, romance. Next thing you know, you're engaged. I said, are your finances in order? She said, well, no, I need to get some. I said, do you feel ready mentally and physically and spiritually? She said, well, I need to lose some weight. I said, well, are you ready? How about emotionally? You feel strong enough that you can be unselfish and forget about yourself? Well, I said, sister, I said, you're not in faith. See, people think they're waiting on God. But faith does what? Faith prepares. Faith gets ready. A lot of times, it's the mercy of God. You hadn't met Mr. Right or Miss Right because right now, they'd just keep walking. You're not ready. And it can be that way spiritually. People think, Lord, send us a deluge. Lord, send us a flood. When they need a sprinkle. They need a heavy dew. You might know what I'm talking about. Well, what happens if you've got hard, dry ground and a deluge comes? The ground is not ready to receive it. Ground needs to be softened up. Right? Sometimes people, they just think they're ready. Real faith gets ready. Faith prepares. I know our airplane that we got before this one. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. We were laughing because the Lord led him to do exactly the same thing for his airplane. I was believing for this certain kind of airplane. I got my hanger to where I could put it. And I bought my thing to tow it with. And I put my tape where the wheels went. Had everything except the airplane. It was sitting there ready. For months and months and months. And then one day, there's an airplane sitting there. How many understand? If you're really believing for something, you get ready for it. I know some friends of mine in another country, they had been unable to conceive. And so uh, years went by. And finally, one of them said, you know, glory to God, I believe this is it. You know, the man said, and the woman said, yeah, I believe this is it. They went ahead, they built them a nursery onto the house, and they decorated the thing, and they got ready in just a few months. There was some crying in that room. (laughs) Glory to God. But see, when people drag around and they think, well, you know, we're just waiting on the Lord. No, you're not. No, you're not. Well, the glory of the Lord. These are the days of the manifestation of the glory of God. We're in them. And we need to prepare for these things. We, in our thinking, in our heart, There's more preparation than you think. The more I get into this, the more I realize, well, it's no wonder some things haven't happened. We haven't been ready. We haven't thought right. 
haven't been prepared. It's been the mercy of God that some things haven't happened. I want you to see something. Turn with me, if you would, to one area, and this is a big one. To uh, Isaiah, the 42nd chapter, and then turn to Numbers, if you would, 20. We'll go from one to another. Isaiah, 42, then we're going to Numbers 20. I could use an extra hour or two this morning. But just believe with me, right? Believe with me. Won't go too long. Believe with me, I won't go too short. Just right. But that we don't leave out anything that we ought to. Everybody say, faith prepares. Faith gets ready. In Isaiah 42, there's a statement that uh, you hear people quote a lot. Let's remind ourselves of it because you see it in more than one place in the Word. Isaiah 42 and verse 8. 42 8. He said, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things do I declare before they spring up. I tell you of them. Notice this phrase. Now, I am the Lord. That is my name. And my glory, what? Will I not give to another. Now, a lot of folks have heard that before. You hear it quoted. You hear it referred to. Let me read you some other scriptures. In fact, you can just turn over there if you want to in the 48th chapter of Isaiah. You're just close by. Isaiah 48, he repeats the thought. 48, 11. 48, 11. For my own sake, even for my own sake will I do it. For how should my name be polluted and I will not give my glory unto another? I will not give my glory to another. First Corinthians one twenty nine, you don't have to turn there, but first Corinthians one twenty nine in the New Testament says that no flesh should glory in his presence. That no flesh should glory in his presence. If we're to have the greater manifestations of the presence of God and the glory of God, we must have this in our thinking. That the glory is his and not ours. Now when you say things like that, most everybody goes, yeah, yeah, right. But then turn right around and try to take it. It's happening all the time. And if you think, well, no, I'd never do that. And you just leave it at that. You don't realize the temptation. You don't understand your ignorance of the subject. Because the nature of your flesh and mind. Is to take credit for stuff. Did you hear me? That's the nature of your flesh. Right? Let me give you up front, for instance, your kids. They're beautiful. They're well behaved. They're successful. Parents like to take credit for that. Is that okay? It's not okay. Did you hear me? It's not okay. People like to take credit for their businesses being successful. Don't they? I worked hard. I put in a lot of extra time. I mean, I burnt the midnight oil. Carries right over into the things of God. Pastors like to take credit for their churches. Hmm? They know they shouldn't do it in obvious ways, but they do it. In coy ways, subtle ways. People know they shouldn't uh, take credit for their ministries. Prayers take credit for the answers to the prayers. Did you hear me? Is that okay? It's not okay. Let me give you an example. Somebody comes in and gets saved. 
I've heard people say, well, we birthed them in. We prayed them in. Well, it's a big statement. You're to be commended if you prayed. But was there anybody else involved? What about their neighbors that have been witnessing to them for six months? What about their mom and grandma that prayed for them all their life? What about the people that greeted them and loved on them when they pulled in the parking lot so they didn't turn around and leave immediately? Huh? What about the anointing? And what about the ministers? And what about the singers? And, and what about the Holy Ghost <laughs> who convicted them? And, drew, and what about Jesus who died for them? You see what I'm saying? I know uh, years ago the Lord taught me a valuable lesson on this. We were first year at Raymond. And we'd gotten a good used car, which was a big step up for us. Good used car. And uh, somebody saw it and they said, man, is that your car? And I said, yeah. They said, well, how'd you get that? I said, I believe for it. Now, when I said that, something checked me inside. I had a little check. And sometimes it's not just the exact wording you say, but your heart when you said it. How you said it. And I'd heard other people say that. And so I, you know, got to watch about picking up things other people say. And just repeating. <laughs> got to watch. And I said, I believe for it. They said, well, man, that's great. Later on, I was quiet before the Lord praying about some things. And it came back up to me. About, and I remembered myself saying that. And I had that check. I thought, Lord, is something wrong with that? Did I say something wrong? He began to minister to me. I don't mean to heard an audible voice, but inside me. He began to ask me some questions. And it was like the Lord asked me, uh, well, son, this faith that you believed for this with, he said, where'd you get it? I said, well, it's actually from you. It's a measure of your faith that I got from your word. He said, how would you have gotten it if I hadn't enlightened you to understand it, hadn't anointed somebody to preach it to you and done it? Many times, because you didn't get it the first time. I said, yes, sir, that's certainly right. (laughs) He said, and weren't you tempted to give up and quit for it came to pass? And didn't I prop you up and have other people encourage you and have other people preach on it so that you didn't give up and you didn't quit? I said, yes, sir, you did. And he said, "Uh, and who brought it to pass for you? I said, well, it'd be you. He said, my faith, my word, my support, my sustaining, my encouragement, my bringing it to pass. And I wasn't even mentioned. You just said, I believe for it. Well, that's not okay. But what I'm saying is that is the nature of your flesh and mine to take credit for stuff. And you got to renew your mind. Did you hear me now? Now, are y'all still with me this morning? I got a lot of people looking at me like, I don't know if I want to hear all this. Yeah, you do. You do because you want the strong manifestation of the glory of God. And listen, mark my words now. You watch it. I, from the word, when these greater things begin to happen and we're on the verge of them. Yes, we are. Here, in this place, our country, our states, our churches. The moment some of these greater things begin to happen, people will try to take credit for them. Did you hear me? Preachers and prayers and prophets and apostles will try to take credit for it. It's just like the country. Politicians want to take credit. Did you hear me? For any good thing. If the economy has some recovery... Politicians won't take credit for it. If it's bad, they want to blame somebody else. (laughs) It's serious, though, as a nation, for us to take credit for our own blessings. It's serious. Thank God for our troops. But we don't give the glory to them. See, this is not popular, what I'm saying right now. Because people want to give all the glory to the troops. Well, that's giving it to ourself. Did you hear me? You know why this country still stands? 
You know why our enemies have not been successful in destroying us? It's not because we're the mightiest military on the face of the planet. We could be done like that. Did you hear me? Without God, we could be over as a nation tomorrow. Don't you doubt it. Other nations have stood for hundreds of years longer than us, and they can't be found today. No, 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 no. I'm a patriot. Don't you misunderstand. I'm an American. But I do not give the glory and the credit for my freedom and my safety and my prosperity to myself and other fellow Americans. No. Who should get the glory? God should get the glory. Right? When our troops are successful, yes, support them. Yes, thank them. Yes, pat them on the back. But the most important thing, let's all lift up our eyes from them and thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Thank Thank our elected officials. But don't give them the glory. Right? No. No. God should get the glory. Now we know this, like I said, we know it, we've said it, but it's not happening like it should. People are taking the glory to themselves right and left and don't even see it. They don't even call it that. It's just blindness, it's carnality. The nature of your and my flesh is to take the credit and to be selfish. And we got to get some mind renewal concerning the supernatural and the spectacular. I know as a young man, in my early days in the ministry, I would fantasize about the miracles of God and about the miraculous experiences, about visions, and you have a desire for it, but so many times it's not for the right reasons. You want to step out and do something amazing. Huh? You want to step out with something that nobody else knows. That's got nothing to do with the glory of God. That's the glory of you. Did you hear me now? When you're thinking about what I, oh man, if I could get this, if I could see an angel, if I could get caught up, if I could get this, if I could have a vision, if I could feel the power, are you really thinking about the glory of God? So many times, if you're honest with yourself, you're thinking about your glory. That you would be, everybody then would know how spiritual you really are. Everybody would then know how amazing you are. Everybody would finally acknowledge your gift. And in that sense... You are not close to being used in these things because you don't qualify. You are seeking glory for yourself. And how far you're used of God and how much you're used in these things is directly connected with how much you can rid yourself of this pride and self-seeking and self-glory. And it's not something that happens all overnight. You've got to grow in it. And you've got to stay after it and stay on it. I know the first, well I shouldn't say the first, one of the first major times that the Lord spoke to me and ministered to me. I was a teenager and I was reading the Bible through for one of the first serious times in my life. And I got over to the scripture in Numbers 12.3 I believe it is. You don't have to turn there, but the Bible said, now the man Moses was meek above all the men that were on the face of the earth. And when I read that, the Spirit of God arrested me. It's inside me. I didn't know why. I read it again. Now the man Moses was meek above all the men that were on the face of the earth. And the Lord asked me a question. I don't mean to heard an audible voice, but inside me very distinctly. He said, did you notice? Moses was the meekest man in his generation. I said, yes, sir, I'm seeing that. And then here came again this, did you also realize Moses was the most used man of me 
in his generation. I wrote it down. It's burned into my spirit to this day. I saw, I'd never seen it before, but I saw the connection, the meekest, truly meekest, not this false humility that's so popular in churches, but true humility, the most humble is the most used. Most used of God. And I begin to desire to find out what is humility and to find out what is pride. And I'm still searching these things. What I've learned has helped me tremendously. But there's so much more. It's an insidious thing. It's a subtle thing. It's the very nature of the devil, this pride. Oh, it's ugly to God. And there's so much of it around. And the sad thing is so many times people, you have to watch as you grow in it and learn it. You not only see it in yourself, you see it in other people. And they don't see it. In church, people are actually proud of how humble they are. Now figure that one out. But if you desire to see. The greater moves of God, the greater manifestations of God, God is going to move and continue to move. Now, did you hear that phrase? There are going to be some things where God does things, but with a lot of people, it's going to be a one-time deal because they're not going to respond correctly. And they're going to try to take the credit for themselves. That's going to be it. But then there's other places. Where he's going to move, then he's going to keep on moving and keep on moving and keep on manifesting stronger and stronger. Why? Because the people won't take the glory to themselves. They'll give it to him. They will give him the glory. They'll give him the credit. Give him the honor. Are you there in Numbers 20? I tell you what, for time's sake, go to Leviticus. There are about three outstanding examples of this that I'd like to get across at some point and if not today then uh, maybe next time Leviticus chapter 9 and verse 22 Leviticus 9:22 Aaron lifted up his hand toward the people and blessed them came down from the offering of the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings Everybody say offerings. Offerings. Now see, these things are typical of New Testament reality. So many times people look back and they think, well, thank God we don't have to do all those offerings anymore. No, they are representative of spiritual offerings. And the principle is the same. You'll notice numerous times when the people came in and their hearts were so full of the love for God that they just offered offerings all day long, praise offerings and material offerings, and the glory of God came and filled up the place. Right? How many know this is true? Have you read your Bible? Well, the principle is the same today. When people love God with all their hearts, they don't come just to plop down and see, can I get something? They come and bring something to the Lord. They bring their praise and they bring their offerings of all kinds and they bring them in abundance. And they demonstrate how much they love God through all these things. And when they do, God, we read it in our text, if you love me, you obey me, I will manifest myself to you. He does it. And here, this is what's happening. The people have brought all these offerings in and they've offered them and praised God. And verse 23, Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of the congregation and they came out and they blessed the people. How many understand they're having a big service today? I mean, it's an all day deal. And I mean, they're having a big one. And, and, verse 23, and the glory of the Lord appeared To all the people, not just a few prophets in the bunch saw it, everybody saw it. They saw the glory of God, the appearance, the manifest appearance of the presence and spirit and glory of God. Everybody saw it. How many understand they're not watching the clock any longer? (laughs) They ain't looking at the clock. They ain't looking at the preacher. They ain't looking at each other. Right? What are they looking at? Do you see that? Uh Uh-huh. That's real, ain't it? Yeah. 
You see it too? Uh-huh. Whoo. Let's praise the Lord some more. And, verse 24, are you there? And there came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. Now, when God personally picks up his offering, the Bible said he's fire. You know, the prophet said he saw him, said he was fire from the loins down. He was fire from the loins. What came out and picked up the offering? Fire. God reached out and received his own offering that day. Picked it up. Personally. You know, it hasn't been real enough to us that the offerings of the Lord, he receives them personally. And that they're holy to him. That's why they must be done correctly. God personally scooped up this stuff. And you saw it. And then you saw fire. And then it's gone. God picked up his offering. And now everybody shouted. Oh, they shouted and they fell on their face and they worshiped. God came to church. Now we know he's everywhere. He's omnipresent, but he's not. His presence is not manifest everywhere. And it's not manifest in the strongest degrees everywhere. How many know the the Lord is here today? We sense his presence in a measure. But how many know he could manifest himself in a split second to a degree there wouldn't be a soul sitting in a chair. Everybody's nose would be pasted in the carpet going, the Lord, he is God. There are different degrees of the manifest presence of God. Here was a much, this didn't happen every day with them. This is an unusual, a spectacular manifestation of the glory of God. But now look what happened, the very next thing. Chapter 10, verse 1, this wasn't written in chapter and verse, it all flows together, and, now let's just stop right, what has just happened? The glory of God appeared, and fire, another manifestation of God and His glory, fire manifested, fell down, consumed all the sacrifices, which were many of them, and they were gone. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put what? Fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them. And they died. Before the Lord. Was this a greater manifestation of the glory of God? And on the heels of it, judgment. Why? Read the next verse. Moses said to Aaron, this is Aaron's boys. Two of them, dead, laying on the ground. Moses told Aaron. Of course, everybody's wondering what happened. We were having such a big time. Now we got two of our preachers laying there dead. Right? Moses said, this is what the Lord spoke. He said, I will be sanctified in them that come near me. And before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. Nothing he could say. Just start making funeral arrangements. Now, the emphasis on sanctifying God in the eyes of the people has not been as strong in many places as it should be. To sanctify means to separate. Separate, set apart, distinguish. And In preparing for God to manifest himself in these greater ways, we must be thinking like this. And we must be preparing ourselves 
Somebody said, yeah, but now, Brother Keith, that's Old Testament. Do you remember Ananias and Sapphira? That's not Old Testament. Somebody said, well, is it the same thing? It's exactly the same thing. Why? Well, what happened to them? Why did they run, grab their censers, and put fire on them, and come prancing out in front of the people with fire in a censer, when the Lord never said anything about doing it, not before and not now? Why did they do it? Why did they do it? They want to take advantage of what's going on. Right? They want to cash in on this. Now, you talk about church attendance, you talk about church involvement, you talk about everybody ready to give their heart, soul, mind, and strength to the Lord this day, they're there. Everybody, front and center, got their full heart, mind, attention on God. And who should be glorified that day? It's not a day for preachers to be seen. Did you hear me? God didn't tell them to do anything. If he'd have told them to do something, that would be different. But he didn't. What do they want to do? They want to grab their censer and put some fire on it and act like, the, without saying it, the implication is we had something to do with this fire coming. We are the preachers of fire. Yeah, you're crispy critters. <laughs> what do they want? Now, we don't like to think that this is a real issue in the church. This is a big issue with you and me, all of us. People don't like to think about it, but it is. Oh, I've seen it so many times. God began to move. And somebody wants to jump up and act like, you know, yeah, we've been believing for this and we've been praying for this and we this and we that and we this. Watch it. Watch it. Trying to, in some way, take credit for it. See, that's what uh, Ananias and Sapphira, God was moving. People were loving God with all their heart, their soul, their mind and strength and all their stuff. People were selling their lands and their houses and they were bringing it. Not just because they're doing it for men, because they love God. And this show of this heart and faith was impressive and people knew about it. Ananias and Sapphira wanted that attention, didn't they? They wanted that attention. They wanted people to say things about them like they'd said about Barnabas and other people. They didn't really want to give. They loved the money. They didn't want to turn loose of it. So they kept half of it. Their heart wasn't in it. They want the recognition. They want the attention. They want to be seen. And God's moving in this special way and they get up in the middle of that and try to take some of the glory that is his. And it was too serious. I said it was too serious. It had to be judged on the moment, on the spot. It was so serious. These things are precious, friends. Our offerings, our services, when God manifests his presence, these things are precious. They're holy. And we must sanctify the Lord God in the eyes of the people. What does that mean? It's God. Right? How did that happen? The Lord's doing it. How'd you do that? We didn't. He did it. Right? He gets the glory. He gets the credit. You know, I've had people look at me like they don't believe me. I don't like... People using the word deserve concerning me and the blessings on our life. I don't like it. People think I'm joking. Think, oh, well, y'all have worked hard. Y'all deserve it. I don't like that. I don't think like that. I don't believe that. Someone said, well, you have. No, no, you're not listening. No. God gets the glory. Except for the grace of God, we couldn't have done anything. And we wouldn't dare stand up and claim we've done everything perfectly. Anything we have done that pleased him, we'll be rewarded for. Amen. Amen. And he'll never forget it. But he's the one who's given the increase. He's the one that's brought his word to pass. He's the one that gets all the glory. All the glory. All the credit. All the glory. 
Every soul saved. God gets all the glory. Everybody healed. God gets all the glory. All the finances that come in. God gets the glory. He gets all the glory. All the glory. And we must not just be a trite religious saying with us. Yeah, God gets the glory. No, we must be conscientious. Day in, day out, on the watch. That we don't let people give it to us. We won't take it. Did you hear me? And it's not because we're trying to be humble. It's just reality. We don't deserve it. It's a lie to give it to us. That picture's etched in my heart. Can you see them guys standing around out there with them sensors? They don't know what danger they're in. Why? Pride has blinded them. Stepping out to be seen. I've been in services before where we as ministers, we didn't know what to do next. So what do you do? Nothing. I'm serious. This is where people get in trouble. Because then we're going to do something. we got to do something. Well, that's what they did. They did something. What do we do? We glorify God. We worship God. We exalt Him. We extol Him. We tell about what He's done. Right? He did it. He gets the glory. He gets the praise. Can you say amen? Everybody say all the glory. Be to God. The New Testament says in 1 Peter 3. In fact, just turn there. We'll close with this. There's more, but that's enough for today. 1 Peter and 3. This is New Testament, right? 1 Peter 3, 15. 1 Peter 3, 15. What does it say? Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Now tell me again, what does that mean? What does it mean, sanctify the Lord God in your heart? What does that mean? It means separate, distinguish. This is what the Lord said about the tithe. The tithe is holy. It's to be sanctified and set apart. What does that mean? You don't mix it with your bill money. Did you hear me? You don't mix it with your recreation project money. There's certain things. The Lord told us when we first got this place. He said, sanctify this place to me. Set it apart. Well, now, I, you know, I intended on doing that, but I mean, he spoke specifically to me. And I saw why, because afterwards, we're in Showtown, and we thank God for that. But we were bombarded with people wanting to use it for all kind of different purposes and reasons. And the Lord said, you don't use it for anything except what I say. And people came and said, well, you need the money. And we were able to smile and say, well, actually, we don't. <laughs> we're doing just fine. Well, we know you're going to have to have some more money. If we can help you with that, we said, well, no, we're actually doing just fine. The Lord says do something different. You do, but it's his. If it's his, you should only do with it what he says. You don't use it just, you know, for a flea market and for this and for that and for common purposes. Did you hear what I'm saying now? It is holy to the Lord. Separate. Sanctified. How many believe we need revelation in this area, in all things of our life, to distinguish, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts? We live in a society that's still paying the price from the rebellion of the 50s and 60s, where nothing is precious, nothing is holy. You don't make special anything. We're all common. People try to practice some form of religious communism. Everything's on the same level, nothing special, nothing stands out, where everything's common. No, no, no. The things of God are holy. I mean, when first notes are struck in here on the instruments, these are holy instruments. They do not do double time and honky-tonks. I mean, you know what I'm talking These They don't roll these out and use them in clubs on Saturday night and bring them up here. for No, no. And your preachers don't do double time either. Did you hear me? We're not in places we ought not be on Saturday night. And be, you are supposed to be the same way. Right? We sanctify the Lord God in our hearts. His things. And we learn when we come in here. 
These things are precious. They're holy. You're not doing dumb stuff. You're not sitting here uh, smacking your gum and clipping your nails while everybody else is worshiping God. Did you hear me? You're not trying to hard sell somebody on part of your business in the back of the church. Did you hear me? This is holy. Holy. Separate. You keep stuff separate. And you glorify the Lord. And when he does something in your life, you dare not. You must not take credit for it. He's blessed you with something. Right? You've got the most beautiful kids. What do you say? God is good. God, man, your business is so successful. What did you do? Man, God has blessed us so much. He's been so good to us. Yeah, but tell me what you did. I know what you do. See, they keep wanting to give you the glory. Right? It is not okay. If it's good, it's God. Every good gift, every perfect gift has come down from Him, from above. And He ought to get the glory. He ought to get the glory. He ought to get the praise. Your talents, your abilities, your prosperity, everything. Amen. Be a standard friend. Man, you look good today. You go, God's good. Ain't he good? Ooh, he blessed me. Help me comb my hair today. <laughs> I mean, no, you couldn't find the door without God. You couldn't have enough sense to put a deal together without God. No, no, no. Sanctify. Now, that's what we're saying. But read the rest of the verse. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And what? Be ready always to give an answer. To every man that asks you a reason of the hope that's in you with meekness, humility, and fear, respect. Oh, thank God. Stand on your feet, why don't you? Lift up your hands. Let's begin to praise the Lord this morning. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.